Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, we've we got a couple of NBA and NHL champions here. I guess a couple of champions, the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley Cup Final. Congratulations to both teams. Here to break it all down and also some of the other big stories going on around in the world of sports. My good friend and co-host of this fine podcast, Travis Krenz, also co-host of the 2080 Baseball Podcast, which you can find on iTunes. Hello, Mr. Krenz. Good evening. Good evening. We just recorded the latest edition of the Baseball Podcast. We're half hour before we're talking right now, so you can check that out right now. And I would say I want to continue whatever we're going we're to start with here, basketball-wise. Yep. Well, I mean, unless you you want to drop something from the the podcast, or yeah, I mean, we can get into that a little bit more later. But yeah, yep. um, Golden State Warriors, NBA champions, second time in three years. First time though that they've done it on their home court. Uh, first time either they or the Cavs won the series uh, or won the NBA Finals on their home court here in three years. So that's interesting. Game five. I was really hoping the Warriors would go for a sweep uh, and win that Friday night. Didn't happen. Kyrie Irving played outstanding as did LeBron James. And then game five starts out and the Cavs are right in. In fact, they, what, had an eight-point lead there at one point in the second quarter. And then all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, they're down 11. That's what Golden State does to you. Not one. Not two. Not three. Not four, not five losses in the NBA Final Series for LeBron James. Yes. Three or five now. Not yep. his fault. No, but, uh, it's not all his fault, no. Uh, yeah, they, they series went about, you know, I picked them in five. Didn't think, any game would be in, didn't think any game would be in single digits. I think there was one in single, nine-point game in game. Game five. Uh, last, last game was a nine-point game. And, uh... I think that Cleveland or uh, Golden State won game three. Great comeback one by like four or five points. Mm, yes. So, good series. Cleveland played. Um, about as tough as you could play Golden State. Probably should have won game three. Mm-hmm. Probably should have forced a sixth game in Cleveland. And if that happens, um, who knows, they may force a game seven. So, it was a five-game series. Easily could have been a seven-game series. But better team won. Durant got his title. Uh, first of which be a couple more. Yes. And uh, interest to see, you know, um, he seems going to meet again next year. So, we'll see for a fourth year. Be interested to see what uh, happens if Cleveland makes any big moves. But uh, Durant, he played outstanding. This was his series. Yep. And uh, he, he got his ring. However, however people feel about it, um, he's, he's got it now. So. Yeah, there's so many different uh, directions we can go with this. So I guess since you mentioned Durant, I mean, he, yeah, obviously the MVP of this series, uh, he carried the, the Warriors 39 points in Game 5. He was MVP, and rightfully so. Steph Curry probably played his best NBA Finals of the three uh, that he's been in, uh, but Durant was just that much better. And the difference between a 73-9 and nine Warriors team that lost in Game 7 in the NBA Finals last year and this, what, 67-15 and 15 team in in the regular season this year and then blowing through 
everyone in the NBA playoffs at 16-1. The big difference, of course, the obvious difference, is Durant. He just made them that much more explosive. And, I, I mean, it, I think this does vindicate him uh, going to Golden State to a um, in large part. You know, I, I'm not going to say I'm completely still okay with it, but... I mean, he backed it up with his play. He didn't ride on the coattails of uh, Clay Thompson or Steph Curry or Draymond Green. He he took over, and I think that he deserves all the accolades and praise that we can bestow upon him. Yeah, he's not along for the ride to get a title. He's the best player mm-hmm. on the best team. So if he doesn't perform, they don't win. Uh, but he averaged over thirty, had over thirty points in every game. So he's not going to like a David West, who's kind of title hopping if I'm got his title, or Gary Payton at the end of his career, anybody else. He's the number one player on the number one team, so he deserves the title. And again, you want, I don't think he was going to win one in Oklahoma State, as good as they were, and as close as they came to beating Golden State last year in seven games. I don't think they would have beat Cleveland, even if they would have gotten to the finals. So you guarantee yourself a championship and likely multiple two three four championships if you go to this team if you stay you may never win one uh so to me it was an easy decision and uh, i don't know if golden state beats cleveland without him i think it's a toss-up series as i said yep. you know cleveland could have easily yep. gotten this thing to seven games if they hang on in game three so Durant needed golden state golden state needed him to beat lebron and it was a win-win for everybody so, yeah, I have no problem with that. So somebody on Twitter say, uh, would Patrick Ewing have gone to the Bulls? Something like that. You know, Patrick Ewing never won a title. Right. But he have gone to the Bulls to win one. Um, interesting points. I don't know. He never would have. And the difference was Golden State lost last year, and the Bulls never lost. So, yeah. uh, would the Bulls have taken them? Well, probably if it would have fit and salary cap's difference. But uh, the Bulls, they, they had their team set, and they didn't yep. need – they didn't have a LeBron to beat. They just beat everybody anyway. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I mean, I it's already a foregone conclusion, barring something, you know, a, a catastrophic injury or season-ending injury or, you know, the San Antonio Spurs somehow landing Chris Paul and him staying healthy in the playoffs. But – we're destined for round four of this series between Cleveland and Golden State, which, and I've heard Adam Silver and LeBron James try and defend it and say, no, no, it's good for the league and everything. And yes, this was the highest rated series since 1998. That's all well and good, but for the long term, for for the longevity of the the sport or the 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 near future. This isn't a great thing because you essentially have 28 teams that are playing what amounts to exhibition games. And, yes, eight teams will make it to the postseason on in each conference. But those seven teams are just ultimately waiting to meet their ultimate death in either Cleveland or Golden State. And I don't think that's great for the NBA long term. How would you compare this to Utah women? You, Utah? Is that, is the Connecticut women, is that? Mm, yeah. Connecticut Sorry. women were finally beaten this year, and that was... I mean, the ratings aren't... I think now if the ratings will 
the ratings for like UConn championship games, some of them are like the lowest. Um, like women's basketball is a bit different. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard to basketball would be the easiest sport of the three to have a dynasty in. Mm-hmm. Where you can realistically win two or three in a row. But even then, it's, it doesn't last all that long. No. Um, you look at the Bulls, you look at the Bulls and what they did. Two different three-year runs. You look at the Lakers had a they went three in a row, got their four years in a row. LeBron's gotten there seven times. Probably yeah. gonna get up nine or ten or twelve. And uh, Golden State's got their three years in a row. And it could happen, you know, for five, six years in a row. But at some point, somebody's going to knock one of these teams off. So, yep. kind of building, building that anticipation. I mean, the Spurs are intriguing because they were killing of the Warriors by 20 points before right. the best player got hurt. So if they win that game, maybe win a couple games, you add Chris Paul to that, uh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know who is beating Golden State the way they are now. And uh, they're all young guys. Maybe the Spurs have the best chance. I'm not sure. No, and I, I think it is the Spurs or bust at this point. One team that I think is on, you know, on the rise, on the on the come, what might be the Minnesota Timberwolves, but they are still a couple of years away from seriously competing. With regards to Golden State, um, I mean, it's I think it's already like I say, foregone conclusion they'll be in it next year. I bet they win it next year again. They're, they're my pick right now. But Clay, and I and I should have said this a few weeks back before all the chatter started coming up about Clay Thompson because he said at the beginning of the season, you know, he he had his doubts a little bit because he wasn't going to get his lion's share of the touches and the shots. And I think for the most part this year, while he was good, he was still a little inconsistent from time to time. Disappeared for some stretches, and that was seen in the playoffs on occasion. He's a free agent, I believe, in the summer of 2019. They, he's going elsewhere. I, I think right now he's gone. So for the Warriors, how, how big of a key is he to the puzzle? I mean, he's, he's a, he's very significant, no doubt about it. He's very good defensively, and he can knock down shots like crazy. But how are you going to pay him, Curry, Durant, and Draymond Green? I, I just don't see how they're going to do it. I think Clay Thompson will leave after the 2019 season for to try and win a championship with another team, or just seek more money because he's gotten his he'll have gotten his two or three championships, and now it's time to get the the big money deal. I think he stays now, uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens in a couple of years. Um, I heard a quote from him talking about how. I like a legacy and winning multiple championships. So we'll see. Maybe they win three in a row, and I don't want them to break it up, but you know, who knows what's going to happen. I think he stays. Curry's a free agent this year. Uh, he could get five years, $205 million or so. That'd be a max deal for him, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he takes it or if he takes a bit of a pay cut. Golden State is in a very good position as far as the salary cap increasing by $20, 30000000 million a year over mm-hmm. the next year or so and last year. They're in a great position because all these guys are under contracts under the old system, in which they're a lot cheaper than they would be under this new system. So they can save uh, a couple bucks here for a couple of years, but um, when Durant's up in a year or two and Curry's up this year and Thompson in a couple of years and Dream on Green, 
if they want to all stay together and sacrifice money to maybe do something like win five or six in a row and challenge those Boston teams from the 60s, mm-hmm. like if they want to they want to do that, we'll see how these next couple of years go. And if they're in position, if they win three in a row and they have a choice of staying together to win like four or five in a row, I think they would chase that because they already have more wins than anybody else. And they had yep. the greatest playoff run of anything. So I think these guys want to do something that nobody's ever done. So I think they're going to stay together for as long as possible. And there's no reason why they shouldn't, right. as long as they fix and sacrifice the money. Because they lost game four. And they, and they they never led in that game. It was terrible defense. And give Cleveland credit. They played absolutely great in that game. Of course, the backs are against the wall. They were facing elimination. But because of that loss... I don't feel like I can say this Golden State Warriors team is the greatest team of all time. Are you in that same realm? Like, I know there's a lot of comparisons to the 96 Bulls. I don't know how much further you can go back because, you know, the 60s and 70s and 80s were such a different, it was a different brand of basketball than it is today. Uh, I mean, are you still going to put Golden State? I, I, they're, I'm putting them top three. Three at the absolute lowest, but are they? Would you still put them as the greatest team of all time? This year's team. They're in the discussion. <clears throat> I think they kill. I mean, at this thirty for thirty on right now with the Lakers and Celtics. And as you said, it's a different game. I mean, Larry Bird was known as this great shooter and this great three-point shooter, and he averaged like. His big thing was like averaging two shots a game or two three pointers a game in a, in a time where teams are averaging 20. So, just, just the way the game was played, those Celtics and Lakers teams were great, but this Warriors team just would, would absolutely throttle them. Um, so, best team of all time, probably the most talented team. I don't think there's ever been a team with, with this much talent on it you know those Lakers and Celtics teams had a lot of Hall of Famers three or four of them but uh, Golden State's got two or three or four as well so they're right up there two or three I would agree with you and um, yeah they're, they're right there I would say I mean it was an absolutely incredible run by them and the difference between the Warriors and a super and these super teams the uh, you know like the, what the Miami Heat did with LeBron and Wade and Bosh well, is the LeBron fact that says he never played on a super team. You hear that? No, I didn't. This is uh, the press conference after the game. Some guy asked him, you know, you were on super teams in Miami and Cleveland, and now Golden State's got this super team. Is this good for the league? LeBron's like, oh, I don't know if I've ever been on a super team. I'm like, dude. You started this whole goddamn deal. Okay? Yes, you did. Yeah, uh, that's Come that's on. ridiculous. Uh, Golden State's is different, and I don't think we can quite consider it a super team in that sense. They are a super team, but it's because of the uh, they've done. It's homegrown talent that they've done. They drafted well. Curry drafted by the Warriors. Thompson drafted by the Warriors. Draymond Green drafted by the Warriors. The only key free agent acquisition, and Andre Iguodala is a big name, too, that they got, who comes off the bench, gives them great energy and a lot of points. He was very big in Game 5. But, I mean, the only huge, like, outstanding acquisition that they have made is Kevin Durant. 
Otherwise, this is essentially a, not a build from scratch, but this is a, a team that they have built themselves. Yeah, this was their first year with Durant, and they won all those games, the most games ever, in the regular season the year before. With all of these guys, their three best players, and they've all drafted. So, thumbs up to the uh, decision makers there, because that's hard to do. Because you look at all these other guys, uh, the Bulls had Jordan and Pippen, that's pretty good. Uh, Celtics drafted Burr, they drafted McHale, they traded for Parrish. Lakers drafted Magic Johnson, they traded, Jesus Christ, uh, they traded for... Uh, Kareem, but they drafted Worthy. So it's usually two of the guys are drafted. Boston drafted Pierce and got the other two. They usually draft a couple of them and get one free agent. Here for Golden State, it's just the opposite of they drafted all of them except one. And I say Jesus Christ because Miguel Snow just threw a goddamn thousand mile an hour ball across the infield and wow. pulled them all off first. Are you watching that? I am not. No, no. Do I have to? They just all, uh, it was approximately a thousand miles an hour, so it was very fast. Wow. I, 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 will, uh, I will head over there right now to, to catch that here. Are they still trailing at this point? Five to two, so. Oh, well, that's great. Uh, we'll get into their 20 run outburst here uh, momentarily, but a few final, you know, a few other thoughts regarding the NBA Finals. And again, the difference between, uh, I would say the difference between Boston's team and Miami's is that the Celtics coordinated these trades to land Ray Allen, to land Kevin Garnett, to help Paul Pierce and win, win that championship. They didn't all, Garnett. Allen and Pierce didn't all just get together and say, hey, let's try and do this thing here in Boston. No, the Boston went out and got these guys. So that's different than Miami. Uh, Miami's the, the definition of the super team. Uh, I mean, even Cleveland, uh, Cleveland wouldn't be considered a super team in my mind uh, in the sense that Yes, they did bring LeBron James in, but they had drafted Kyrie Irving, and they traded for Kevin Love. But the, that was at uh, James's request. So I would put that, I guess, more as a super team than I would the uh, Boston Celtics. Yeah, Celtics had some guys at the end of their careers that had never won, and they were trying to win together, and they were very good, and they won one and lost another. Um, but yeah, Cleveland, like we talked about Sunday, wherever LeBron goes, there's going to be one guy who's already there, and then they're going to bring in another guy to form out a, a three all-star group and uh, put it together. And I think if Golden State wins another title or two, uh, I think LeBron will be on his way out of Cleveland instead of instead of just staying there and bringing guys in. You're already there. You already got Kyrie Irving, who's in his prime, or maybe not even yet in his prime, who's an outstanding player. Yep. And uh, Kevin Love would be the guy you would move. I don't know why he just doesn't stay there and bring guys in instead of going somewhere else. Um, you know, because you're the best player. Yep. You're the best player. Um, I don't know who Golden State or I don't know who Oklahoma City could have brought in to take down Cleveland or Golden State. Um because they really didn't have any pieces to trade because they got Westbrook and Durant. That's all they have. Um, Cleveland's got three guys. So you can move love for a guy and do something different, see if it works, maybe after next year. Can you imagine if the Thunder had been able to keep James Harden? Uh, it would have been, been nice. It would have been a lot of points. It would have been fun to see. Uh, one of the biggest what-ifs. One of the biggest what-ifs. What, uh, um, you know, Harden or Westbrook will... Hopefully 
Blue, you know, Westbrook will win the MVP, and Harden, he may win it as well. Three, and I don't know if there's ever been three MVPs on one team before at any time, but uh, they, they may be a team that would have had that. Yes. Yes, no doubt. Uh, flipping now to the Cleveland side of things, uh, LeBron James, again, to all the haters out there, you need to just shut up. The LeBron James averaged a triple-double in the NBA Finals. That's never been done before. Uh, he, yes, he made some, I would say, not poor choices necessarily, and he did have a lot of turnovers in Game 1. But he, he, he didn't attack as much as I think a lot of people would like to. He kept kicking it out to guys who were wide open for three, like Kevin Love, who couldn't uh, hit water if he fell out of a boat in the middle of the ocean. But uh, James was great. Irving was great. And apart from J.R. Smith's out, uh, you know, his great game, what, did he have a good game in game four? Or did, was it game five that he had a big one, too? Uh, game four, he had 20-some points. Okay, yep, that's game the one. Five, game five, Cleveland had seven bench points. That's not enough. Yeah. No, no, and that that was the key. I said in in their game five loss, there were two huge keys in my mind as to why Cleveland lost. A, the bench points. I mean, outscored 35-7, to seven, the 5-1 ratio. That can't happen. And then, two, the, the free throw shooting. Bad free throw shooting by Cleveland really cost them in that game. But if you look at the series as a whole, LeBron James was great. Kyrie Irving was phenomenal. Kevin Love was not as bad as the numbers would indicate. Or it, on the flip side, you might say, oh, it looks like Kevin Love had a pretty decent series. Not shooting-wise, he didn't. He was very bad. But he did a lot of other key things in there. But like obviously some big offensive rebounds and you know 21 rebounds one game he consistently had double digit rebounds it seemed like had six steals in one game so he was doing other things but he just wasn't knocking down the shots and that's what you're going to need to do against golden a team like golden state you got to outscore him you can't just you can't say hey we're going to try and play some good defense and kevin love failed miserably and that's why I believe that this offseason, they are going to try and trade Kevin Love either to Indiana or now I'm going to start getting on this New York hype train here, I think, with Carmelo Anthony going to Cleveland because you aren't going to outscore, you aren't going to out, you know, beat Golden State by playing defense. You got to outscore him. And who better to do that than a guy who doesn't play zero, doesn't play any defense at all and just shoots at will and scores at will? In Carmelo, if I was the Knicks, I would absolutely do that trade, one hundred percent. Yes, I don't want Carmelo Anthony on my team. I would, I would much and, have and a first round yeah. pick. Cleveland's got to send the first round pick as well. Yeah, I mean, that de- and the defense has got to get better. That's all. I mean, they beat them last year, but now you have Durant, so that's tough. Uh, Tristan Thompson was nowhere to be found. Tristan Thompson was terrible. Yep, uh, they gave him an eighty million dollar contract. He didn't do shit. Nope. He didn't do shit in this series. Except game five, better. he was decent. I mean, he really came to play, but that's because it you know, he didn't play the first four games. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Two games, one and two, he played a combined 45 minutes in score. You can't have that. You cannot have that. That is disgusting. I mean, you look at, the, look at this Cleveland team, and 
how terrible the bench. I mean, you have Richard Jefferson playing 15, 20 minutes. You have Darren Williams uh, chasing a title. He's getting playing time. Kyle Korver's out there, who's as one-dimensional as anybody. Shumpert is is a ghost. Uh, look at all of these guys. Look at the shit bench that is. I mean, there, there, there was a time when LeBron was out there, I think, with Darren Williams, Richard Jefferson, Kyle Korver, and some other script. And I'm looking at this line, and I'm like, holy shit. Golden State's going to run your ass off the floor, and they did. And so their yeah, bench has got to be better. And yet, coming into the series, I think a lot of people were giving the the, the Cavaliers well, the edge with well, the bench because of those guys that you mentioned. I mean, I'd much rather have uh, West and Iguodala and Sean Livingston. I'd much rather have that than this garbage here of, of Richard Jefferson and the Darren Williams guys that are fucking finished. Um, at, at this point, I'm sure people are going to be questioning or should they have maybe kept Andrew Wiggins instead yep. of Kevin Love, I think. At this point, they got one title. Um, for the long term, Wiggins would have been the better option. Yep. Uh, I mean, but that's, I think, one of the reasons, too, why Cleveland's defense was so bad this year is because all their guys are old. And they can't really bad. get any younger because they they trade away their picks. But that's why, too, I mean, if you're going to bring someone in, Paul George would, be a, would make a lot of sense as well uh, if you're not going to go with Carmelo. And regarding the whole LeBron James leaving thing, I hear that L.A. would be that likely destination, whether he would join the Lakers or the Clippers. I might, I'd have to assume it would be the Lakers at this point but I mean the Cavs are going to do whatever they can to make LeBron James happy and that means go ahead yeah I mean I don't know who they have I mean it's got to be Paul George or Carmelo Anthony. The one of those two pieces is headed to Cleveland this offseason. I I just don't see how they went and George might have his heart set on LA because he's a California guy so be it then the, then the Cavs switch over to to Jane or to to Carmelo, but one of those two ha- is going to Cleveland. I I just I don't see any reason why the Cavs wouldn't do whatever they can to do that. When we, when we talked Sunday about where is LeBron going if he doesn't stay, and I, I think it's you know it's got to be an Eastern Conference team. He's smart, Eastern Conference team. I'll go as far as to say if he goes to the Lakers, I mean he's not beating the Spurs. Or Golden State, he's not getting to the finals. And if you know, if his if his career was in the West, he's won three titles, so I'll give him that. And I assume he reaches the finals three times. I don't know if he reaches the finals maybe once or twice, but he didn't beat those teams in the West. So I don't know how you could say he would have reached the finals more than three times in his career if he was out in the West, because the West is so so much better with the Spurs and the Warriors, and apparently there with, with the rumor with with the Lakers. Lakers and Magic Johnson, they're going to make a move here probably next year. They're going to want to do something because it's been three, four years now where they've been irrelevant, and that's not going to last very long. So the Lakers always make a move to get the best player, and LeBron James would be that best guy. So um, I I think it would show some balls on LeBron's part to go west. I would love to see him go to the Lakers just to see if he has the balls to play in the Western Conference, because I don't think he does. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Warriors and the Spurs are going to be right there. And I, I still say that I don't know why I'm going on this hype train so much with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They haven't done shit for a decade, maybe no. a dozen years, yep. but they have the young players. So, I mean, I'm, I'm saying at some point they're going to break through. 
And I believe they will be. I think it's almost, without a doubt, they're going to be a playoff team this year, and I can't believe I'm saying that. But assuming that the Jazz lose Gordon Hayward to Boston, which it looks likely, um, I, I, I got to think that Minnesota's going to be up there. By the way, on a separate note here, when Mark Cuban said that he when Dallas was eliminated from playoff contention that they purposely tried to tank the season but by playing the younger guys a lot more but the young but they but the guys who were playing kept trying hard that's terrible thing for the NBA for an owner to say that i mean doesn't that mean we have to revamp the system somehow yeah it's not good that he said it i mean we know teams do that i mean when i was in charlotte that's what charlotte did they built the roster not designed to win. They were not trying to win based on the players they signed, and they got the number two pick in Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who really isn't all that good, instead of getting the ultimate prize in Anthony Davis. So it was it was worth the risk, and it didn't happen. But, I mean, you may as well do it. So if, if, if Dallas goes out there and tries uh, and puts their best foot forward, I don't know how many if they're five wins better, if that's a big enough difference. So, um I'm okay with teams playing the young guys if they know they're not making the playoffs. And maybe you'll, you'll find a guy or two among that group that you may not have otherwise, and maybe he can help you in the future. So it's kind of like, um, like I was all for the Vikings losing to get a good draft pick and getting a good guy. And so it, I think it's kind of like that situation where you're doing long-term, you're in the process of hoping you get a very good player um, and you're sacrificing, you know, a few games in a terrible season anyway. So it's not great, but I can understand it, I guess. Let me ask you this, then. Of, of course, injuries are a – can cr- uh, cripple a team's playoff chances and hopes and aspirations and ultimately leads them to a bad season. But what if you would reward the team – that just missed the playoffs with the number one overall pick. And that would be then the teams that are out of playoff contention would have the incentive to try and get as close to playoff contention as possible to improve improve their draft pick. Like if you want to just go top five and then say, okay, now the worst team with the NBA would be, you know, like this year it would be the Sixers or the Nets. I get uh, the the Nets got the pick, so it would be then. I guess the Celtics would get the sixth pick. If you want to go one through uh, fourteen, I'm totally uh, up for that and in favor of it. But what would you think of that as a way to maybe just get rid of the whole tanking and say if you play, you know, if you're the first team out of the playoffs, you get the first pick in the NBA draft. And subsequently, subsequently, you could maybe do this for the NHL. Um, I, I don't know how football would do it. Football would certainly, you'd have to do something a little different in there because you do have 18 teams. But I think it would certainly be a way to incentivize trying to win and play out all 82 games in an NBA season. I'm fine with the way they do it. Because I think like, the lottery system is designed to avoid tanking since the number one team is it's the only sport where it's the, where it's the worst team is not guaranteed to pick. And the, and the worst team usually doesn't get the pick. So the NBA is set up for it not to be the worst team so that you can't tank. Um, well, I would, I, would, I would answer that question with another question. Yep. If 
Eastern team like the, like the Spurs or Miami, who were the last couple of teams fighting for that eight seed, I would much rather have the number one pick than, than play Boston or Miami. So you would maybe have teams taking to get out of that eight spot. Uh, we have to be good enough to be ninth or tenth, but not good enough to be eight. So I would much rather be the ninth team than be the eighth team in the playoffs. That's that's fair too. That would bring a, a whole new, um, yeah. That's that's an interesting point here too. I just think they got to do something with it. I, I, we can throw some creative decisions out there, but for for Mark Cuban to come out and say it is just it's it's plain wrong. It's flat wrong. Don't like it at all. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I'm not a fan, of it, but that's the way that's the way it happens. So. Congratulations, Golden State Warriors winning the NBA championship. We'll see you in the Cleveland Cavaliers next year in the NBA Finals. And uh, we won't have much of an NBA season preview for you come October. Stanley Cup Final. Uh, congratulations to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Won the Stanley Cup Final back-to-back years. Uh, this year they won the series just like they did last year. 4-2 to over the Nashville Predators. Last year was the San Jose Sharks. Uh, but they are the first team since the 97 and 98 Red Wings to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. They are the first team to do it in the salary cap era. Uh, and I got to say, I think Nashville certainly got hosed. Well, I'll be talking with the hope to be talking with Marcus Traxler here later on in the the podcast, but I'll, I'll bring this up with him. And I'll ask you this right now. Did Nashville get hosed by not getting that goal in the second period when the official, when the ref lost sight of the puck, even though it was out in the middle of the ice and everyone kept fighting uh, and trying to get it, and Colton Sissons ultimately scored? Well, they reviewed it, right? Uh, I don't know if the replay... Yes, they did, but the replay... It's something within the rules that they could... Could, could over it was goalie interference turn. was that was it called goalie interference Go, goalie interference no no the the official just lost sight of the puck oh yeah it was because it was I kind of went behind and or because uh, it was the one the goal off back of the of Pecorini. it was yeah. the goal off of his back right yeah, yeah that that was the Patrick Hornquist goal in the third period that gave the Penguins a one nothing lead with one thirty five to go but this happened in the second period sure. where Nashville was pressuring and they, they got a shot on uh, Murray and he had control of the puck for a brief second and then it came out and Colton Sissons came in and poked the, the puck pass into a wide open net. I mean there was no way Murray was going to get to it but the official who was behind the net and to the right of Murray lost sight of the puck and put his hands up indicating that the play was dead and the so the, the Predators didn't get that goal and I'm not saying they would have won the game had they scored, but hell, I mean, one nothing is certainly a lot different in Nash in that in Bridgestone Arena with those crazy fans than a scoreless game headed into the third. I didn't see enough of it, but the way you describe it, it's an unfortunate thing. I suppose the ref did the right thing. Um, but Christ, there's there's multiple refs out there. You, you, I mean, I can't imagine they they have. They can see the puck at all times, or they know where exactly it's at. So that's disappointing. But you can't call what you can't see. So I would just say 
a very unfortunate break for for Nashville. And I'll bad, bad timing for that to happen. Yep, uh, but that wasn't their only chance they had. Uh, Sissons was robbed on a breakaway, a great glove save by Murray. They had four power plays, and including a five on three in the third period, couldn't do anything with it. So the Predators had multiple chances here, and then. Honestly, a flute goal. Uh, puck comes off the side of the net. Hornquist hits it off of Rene and back into the net. Uh, one nothing Penguins. They would add an empty net goal. Two nothing. The the final score. They won the series. Like I said, four to two. Sidney Crosby was the Conn Smythe winner. I might have uh, given it to Jake Gensel, considering the rookie scored 13 goals in the postseason. That's a very impressive. Uh, and he's an elite company when it comes to that. But what now that the Penguins have won, they've been instilled as the favorites headed into next year. So not one, this is a dynasty here in the making, perhaps better than what the Chicago Blackhawks were doing. And two, where does this place Sidney Crosby in terms of how we view him now, not only in the current NHL, but in the history books in terms of where he stands as one of the greatest hockey players of all time. He's got three of them. He's got three of them. He has a gold medal for Canada in the Olympics. He's won uh, the the Hockey World Cup. And this is all within the last, like, three or four years. So he's done a lot. Yeah, people like championships. He's uh Outstanding player. This he'll be he'll be one of the all time greats. If you if you get four or five, yeah, he'll be. Yeah, he's right up there, and we'll see what his final career numbers are. But yeah, he's he's probably the best since uh, since over the last guy was. I don't know if you want to say Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux? The two guys, uh, more so Mario Lemieux, but because uh, Wayne Gretzky was pretty much done by the mid nineties. Um, yeah, he's he's probably the best uh, hockey player of our generation. He is. Uh, and There's pretty, a guy in Washington can't win a goddamn, uh, can't even get there. So. No, no, he can't. And we have some great young talent there, you know, the, with Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews coming up here. So hockey's in a good place. And also, I mean, our Nashville Predators ultimately lost, but, uh, you know, the scene in Nashville was great. I definitely don't think that the hockey fever is going to leave Nashville or the Tennessee uh, area anytime soon. And this is great for hockey to really get this new market and Nashville's been around for a while but I think people are now starting to notice just what kind of hockey place or, you know hockey town Nashville is it can lure free agents and Nashville's got the staying power here to to be around for quite some time and uh, make serious runs at another cup hopefully they are good for a while good to see a team in the south um, the, the, the fans be excited, not just be excited when they're good. So, uh, so Nashville hopefully can can keep this up because the crowds crowds have been tremendous, as we know. Yes, yes, uh, I gotta think Nashville, the the Blackhawks, the Wild, the the Oilers will all be right there in contention on the Western Conference side next year. So, uh, but we'll we'll talk a little more Stanley Cup. Final t- uh, with Marcus Traxler. Heel. We'll also talk about the U.S. Open with him. He is going there to Aaron Hills in uh, Wisconsin. He'll be there, so we'll talk with him next week. Hopefully, get some reaction to that. But uh, as you know, the, with the U.S. Open, at seventy-seven hundred yards, longest ever U.S. Open. The uh, the fescue has been mowed down. Rory McIlroy did not like that. Saying if uh, if you can't hit it out of there, if you're that worried and complaining about it, pack up your bags, pack up your clubs, go home. 
this is a link style type of course. Of course, and if you can drive and you know be accurate with your drive, you know Dustin Johnson immediately comes to mind. You should be in good shape. Uh, but this is going to be a challenging course, don't you think? Oh, it's going to rain out. Uh, it could be rain. Uh, a lot of humidity. It's going to be hot. Um, and maybe that gives Phil Mickelson a chance to get back in, uh, to to participate. I'm not quite sure. Oh, yeah, you never know. If they have a rain out, I mean, he's very smart to not pull out completely. And if they have a rain day, uh, and it's, timing is just right. Who the hell knows? Uh, not impossible, but, oh, uh, yeah, the toughest course all year long. It's, um, I've not been excited about major golf for, for many a year now, and I'm not feeling this one much and uh, much whatsoever. But uh should be a very, very difficult course. But uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, golf, not not on my list of things that I care about here in the past couple of years. Is it because there have been no stars that are winning consistently, like the Dustin Johnsons? Jordan Spieth had a run there, but he hasn't uh, played well as of late. Uh, Rory McIlroy certainly, too. I mean, I proclaimed him to be the best golfer of all time after he won his third major at like in, in five starts. So, uh, I mean, obviously I was a little bit off the wagon there. But, uh, yeah, this uh, I, golf needs a consistent winner, and they need a star to be consistently winning. They're in a well, – nobody cares if the TV ratings are, are not good. They're down. They're, they're in a good spot since they have like, they have like a half dozen guys that are, you know, McElroy and Spieth and Justin Johnson and Jason Day this, this, are guys. This uh, Reed fellow, isn't there a Reed who uh, played on the Ryder Cup that people kind of so like? They're, you know, they're, they're a lot – this goes back to, okay, you can have Tiger Woods, who's the biggest star ever, and he's going to win all of them. Or you can have a deal here where there's like a half dozen guys that could probably win. It goes back to, well, you got Golden State and Cleveland. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have five or six teams have a shot? So, um, any of these guys can win. Uh, who the hell knows? I mean, the Masters was a great. That was a great finish. That was amazing to see. Uh, to see what's his nuts, Garcia win. That was great. But um, yeah, you've got you know six to ten guys here for golf who are in the mix. Any one of them could win, which is good in that aspect. But as far as people care, I mean, they just they just don't care because. I mean, they, they just don't. None of them are they're very good, um, but none of them are, are are good enough to where, oh, I, I got to watch. I got to watch Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth. They're the two best guys, but and they're as good as any golfer in a long time. But, I mean, I don't care, and uh, it shows like the people don't care, and uh, it's on Fox, or whatever that's worth, and that should be just a goddamn awful so <laughs> yes apart from joe buck even with joe buck it's probably not going to be that great uh with it with it being a link style i will give rory mcelroy a heavy consideration to to winning it because he, he he's grown up on link style courses i mean hopefully he'll win the british open which is my favorite tournament the u.s open his is family, Marcus. His, his family was almost the original golf course yep uh, they lived. They lived, they, they, they lived between the ninth and the tenth green. Uh, they had some trees between the two, uh, and he lived there. They were homeless, and he he uh, bathed in the fescue, slept in the fescue. Okay, I think uh, I think you're. Uh, so it sounds like a tall tale here that you're telling us. 
here regarding Mr. Rory McIlroy. But uh, U.S. Open this weekend, so that, that'll be fun and entertaining. Before we get to the fight, let's talk some baseball. Uh, baseball draft? Uh, I mean... Who was it going to be? Was it going to be? Break it down. Was it going to be the um, you know Hunter Green, the high school phenom uh, from Notre Dame High School there in Cal? Is it California? I believe, right? Yep, Southern yep. California. Yep. Uh, was it uh, then Brendan McKay, uh, McKay from Louisville? He was right up there, and uh, Wright from uh, Vanderbilt. Correct. Those were the top three that everyone seemed to. There was no real consensus as to who the twins would take. I, I think if uh, that uh, memory serves me right on that. So what do the Twins do? They, they take shortstop Rice Lewis, a high schooler from California. But uh, apart from Aaron Gleeman from BaseballProspectus.com, I don't think anyone else had this. This seemed you know, even... For me, being a, a novice fan of the game, and you know, especially the baseball draft, I couldn't give two, you know, two shits about. But this surprised the hell out of me when I see this Royce Lewis getting drafted by the Twins. Do, is this a good selection for them? I don't know. It was it surprising for me. I saw it at. I didn't see it live. I saw it at uh, about nine o'clock. I turned on the TV and it popped up right away. And I'm like, oh, they picked that guy. Like he was supposed to be a top five pick. I thought it was going to be uh, the guy from Vanderbilt, Kyle Wright, which I was not real excited about. And uh, Brendan McKay uh, would have been intriguing since he could hit and pitch in the Tampa Bay. I think he's probably going to use him as a first baseman, but uh, that's always intriguing. And hopefully uh, Tampa Bay is a pretty progressive franchise, so maybe they can use him as a hitter and maybe once in a while pitch him do something different and something that really hasn't ever been done. So uh, I doubt it, but if anybody's going to do it, may as well be Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter Green. Hunter Green was the biggest name because he's at a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. I don't know what else he has besides that. Maybe he'll just be a, a bullpen guy. Good. and uh, he's a good hitter, I think. Yeah, he can be a shortstop, but uh, he's going to be a pitcher, and he can maybe hit if he's a starter, and he's you know maybe he could develop into a competent hitting pitcher. Uh, the Reds take him at number two. Remember, for, for whatever reason, the Twins just uh, didn't seem interested in him at all. And he was never apparently going to the Twins. He worked out for him last week, but the Twins probably just didn't want him. Um, Mackenzie Gore was a guy the Padres took at three from a high school in North Carolina. Yep. Uh, he, his, his leg kick, he's got a leg kick that I've never seen before. His it- leg... Literally goes like five feet in the air. Is this like a Dontrell Willis sort of leg kick? Yeah, even more so. It's so huge. And whatever works for you, I guess, but, I mean, that's a lot of expended energy that I don't know is necessary. So that's that's what uh, the Padres have going for them there at uh, three. But the biggest, as as we've said many, many times, what's the, what's the Twins' biggest need stacking? What do they need more than anything else? A uh, bullpen. Starting pitcher. Yeah, they need a pitcher. Pitcher. Heck, uh, pitcher, a ball hitter of some sorts, uh, a ball thrower of some sorts. And uh, Royce Lewis is not a pitcher. They've always needed help in the middle of the infield, but uh, Dozier's good. Polanco is good. Uh, so the middle of the infield is as good as it's been uh, since the World Series years, since Guzman and Rivas, perhaps, uh, for a short time. But 
And they have Nick Gordon, who uh, might be up as early as next season. Their first-round pick from a few years back, who should be all right. But uh, Roy Slew, a shortstop, very surprised. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be any good. I don't expect him up any time in the next five years. So Roy Lewis put it on the back burner until 2022. And uh, we'll see if he's any good. He could be, I think he could be, he could be okay. I don't, I don't expect greatness from him. Uh, apparently doesn't have much of an arm if he's in the outfield. He's got pretty good speed. And they say, oh, it could develop power. But when they say that, that never actually happens. So look at Byron Oh, yeah, he's going to develop power. Terrific power. Um, Ten home runs a year. What a power hitter. So, like, if they put him in the outfield, his arm isn't very good. But uh, as a shortstop, we'll see. In five years, we'll see if this kid at uh, 22, 23 years old is is any good. And uh, I would have taken the... I don't know. The top of the draft doesn't look all that. I mean, the baseball draft is... It's Pick a, a, it, throw a darks. Exactly. There, there, there's no rhyme or reason to how... I mean, it's all how they develop in the, the minor leagues, spring ball, everything like that. You, you just don't know how they're going to pan out once they get to the pros. Interesting, though, that the high school players go 1-2-3. It's the first time that's happened since 1990. So the MLB draft is in our rearview mirror. On the, on the baseball podcast, I I went through past like a, like a half dozen players and I read their draft profiles. And it was funny because some of them turned out to be not very good players. Some of them reached the majors, but when they reached the majors, were pretty bad. And it was funny to read what people thought of them at the time and how great they were going to be. And a uh, kid from Brandon Valley, South Dakota, got picked by the Yankees in the sixth round. Yep. He was a junior at Iowa. Oh, he got picked by Houston in the, in the sixth round, so good for him. And in the very next pick, a pitcher from Augustana from Sioux Falls got picked by the Yankees. Sixth round, 182 overall. He spent the previous two seasons in Cincinnati. So some local then SDSU had a guy picked in the in the low 20s, I think, mid-20s rounds. So, um, yeah, you baseball draft. 60 rounds. It's, it's incredible. Uh, some news from the weekend. Aaron Judge hit a home run at Yankee Stadium, 496 feet. People are going nuts about it. Uh, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton hits home runs like that routinely, it seems like. Uh, is this a big deal? Yeah, Aaron Judge, he's the story of baseball this year. He'll be rookie of the year. And he's the uh, he's my favorite right now to win MVP. He's uh, he's kind of he's, he's the guy right now. He's the guy right now. Very exciting player to watch. Um, you know, maybe he could challenge to hit 50 home runs. That would be amazing. And the Yankees are really good right now, better than people thought. And Aaron Judge, uh, he is the guy in baseball right now. Yes, he is. He's doing marvelous stuff. Um... Name's escaping me now. Uh, is the guy with the with the Dodgers, Billingsley? Cody Bellinger. He Bellinger. Is I, great. I mean, I was he close great. on this. Yes, yes, he, he is very good too. Um, Bellinger. Yeah, he's winning, he's winning Rookie of the Year. I love him. He's going to hit thirty home runs. He's over halfway there. He's uh, matched 
Judge home run for home run since Bellinger's been called up. Yep. He was rumored to be he was rumored to be a guy the Twins wanted for Dozier, which would have been amazing. But the yes. Dodgers, uh, they're smart. They're not giving up Bellinger, who was who was major league ready this year. They you know it was a month or so in the season before they called him up. But he's our best hitter right now. He's he's amazing. He's fun to watch. He can play first base. He can play outfield. He's a big tall son of a gun, like a six four, and can move. So it's a great piece for the Dodgers, just another one for him. So he's outstanding. Yes, he is. Uh, and leave it to me. I'm so bad with names. You know this now. But uh, thank you for uh, for knowing who I was talking about. One name that I'm not going to get wrong is uh, is it Eddie Rosario, who hit three home runs? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Crisis averted here. Hit three home runs for the Twins on Tuesday night. The Twins... Or actually, it was the Vikings who topped the Seahawks twenty to seven. Rosario hit three home runs. Uh, it was absolutely great, and uh, I would hope he can hit more. Is this just a flash in the pan sort of thing, or is this uh, the sign of things to come? For Rosario, for Rosario, and maybe for the Twins in general. I mean, they are still in Rosario's, first place in the AL Central. Rosario's fine. He's like last in war on the team, which isn't great. I like a zero war. He's got a hell of an arm in the outfield. He can throw guys out. He's got he has he, he 50, 15 home runs. He's a streaky hitter. We can get out for a week and then go cold, but uh, not going to walk a lot. He likes to swing the bat. He's got a little bit of pop. So uh, good for him. Three home runs. That's solid. And what was it? 27 runs, 42 hits, and obscene game there. Uh, Seattle's pretty good. On a bit of a runner. They started 2-8. They've been on a roll ever since. So Seattle's going to be in the mix. Here's the way I look at it. Win 85 games and see where you stand. Houston's in the playoffs. The Yankees and Boston are in the playoffs. I feel confident saying these three teams are. Cleveland, I suppose, but show me something Cleveland. Yep. Baltimore's so tanking here lately. So, yeah, Baltimore's been terrible. They're probably done. So if those four teams are the teams in, there's one more team left. Uh, if, if I don't like Seattle because their pitching is just depleted, but they've won. Uh, they've won they're winning games like crazy now. Um, so if you want to put Seattle in the mix, uh, I can't count out Texas. I put Tampa Bay and the Twins as my top two. So I think it's going to come down to uh, Twins and Tampa Bay uh, for that final wild card, I think. That would be very good. I like to see that. Uh, we did very good last week on the Pick'em. We took the Diamondbacks. They went 5-1. Yeah, we, we won the week, so that's fantastic. Uh, anything else from baseball last week that we need to get to before we get to your uh, pitcher and hitter of the week? Uh, that's about it. All right. Who's the pitcher and hitter this week? God damn, let me see. Uh, pitcher hitter of the week. Who did a good thing? Let me see. Herb Santana, everybody knows him, had a shutout against the Giants on Friday and had a uh, three RBI double. So good for him. Oh, okay, let me give you a guy. I'll give you a guy nobody's ever heard of. Uh, Brewers have a guy starting pitcher named Jimmy Nelson. Never heard of Jimmy Nelson? I have not. Yeah, Jimmy Nelson's a uh, 4 3 record, 3.67 ERA. He's. Uh, He's done very well. He's uh, he's done very well over his last seven starts. Has an ERA in the low twos, averaging over a strikeout per inning in 41 innings. Uh, good walk to uh, strikeout to walk ratio of about uh, let's call it seven to one. 
Uh, he's been very good. So Jimmy Nelson, probably the ace of the staff for Milwaukee. He's been around a couple of years. I like him a lot. As uh, the Brewers continue to be in first place. Jimmy Nelson, here's your, your guy of the week. Very good. Very good. Any, anything else we need to get to before we talk about this fight that I will not be watching? Let's talk about this fight you won't watch. Here's what I said about, what did I say about the fight January 1st? I said, if you believe anything I ever say, believe me that this fight will never happen. And uh, it is happening now. August? End of August? August 26th. We'll see. We'll see. Should be, should be, should be something. Shouldn't last more than 60 seconds. So. I, I after Manny Pacquiao immediately after it came out, I, I put on Facebook like who who's got two thumbs and isn't going to watch uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. This guy, this fight is. I don't know why everyone is so enthralled. Yes, you have the best uh, MMA fighter in or UFC fighter in Conor McGregor against the guy who's never lost in Floyd Mayweather. But they're boxing. First off, that's Mayweather's sport. Oh. and after. After the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, that was a complete dud. This is, it's only interesting from the standpoint that you have two guys playing separate combat sports who are going to be going up against one another. Otherwise, this is absolutely nothing for me. I will do something else with my time. I'll go sit at the lake. I'll, I don't, I'll do something else. I am not going to, A, watch, the, you know, pay to watch this fight either at home or at a bar. And B, I don't even care. I don't. It's just, it, it's ridiculous to me. I'll watch it for free. I'm not paying for it, but I'll watch it for free as I do all my, all my UFC fights for illegal purposes for a decade now. Periscoping? No, not quite. Not quite that bad. Um, thankfully, viruses on my computer aren't too bad. So That's good. Um, um, it's a... I don't care much for both men are going to make tens of millions of dollars in some cases a hundred hundred plus million dollars a lot of people are going to watch it I would suspect it's going to get probably around two million plus pay-per-view buys it's going to be a huge deal in August McGregor is the best talker maybe the best talker there's ever been in MMA he'll talk this thing up the fight not the fight's probably not going to be worth the shit, but but the uh, the build up Conor McGregor is the best at building up a fight, and he'll say entertaining stuff, and that will be fantastic. It, it's it's a pro wrestling deal, so he'll be fantastic at that. Yeah, but who cares at the end of the day if the fight's not going to matter? I mean, I, I it's think all, it's all about the hype and the build up. Nine out of ten Conor people McGregor's know that Mayweather's going to win. He's a heavy favorite, so. There's the, there's that. It's a fight, so there is a chance for an upset. He is 40 years old. He should win this easily. He should win this fight. He should win this fight in 60 seconds. But you, you, you watched at least one Floyd Mayweather fights. Yep. And you would agree it was a boring talking fight. Oh, it was. It was terrible. Yes. He just danced. He is not. He is not aggressive. He is a uh, not a power puncher. I don't think anybody would. Uh, he, he's a finesse puncher, a technique guy. He has knockouts, but he's not going to kill a man. He has not. He is retired. Uh, you know, at forty nine and all, going for fifty and all. So he has not fought in a long, long time. What a year and a half or so when this fight comes. So yeah. rust, 
rust is an issue to, despite the opponent being not up to his caliber at all. So that is a, uh, a storyline. Um, he's not aggressive, as you know. Um, McGregor, who yeah. knows? Maybe McGregor comes out and just fucking bull rushes him and throws a haymaker and says, this is the only chance I've got, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and maybe, if, if, no. if that happens, I will take it all back and say I didn't think McGregor was going to win. I, you know, I miss history, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to move on with my life. Uh, I was just looking here. Uh, preseason football is going to be happening. This is week three. This is the most important week oh of the my preseason. God. That's probably going to have to take a back burner to this fight. It, it might. The, uh, the national televised game... Saturday night, I would have to assume it's going to be Saturday night. Chargers at Rams, so the battle for LA. Oh no! I I mean, it's going to be a big deal. It's, it's a pretty good. I, I believe they picked a pretty good time. It's right. It's not during football season. It's like two weeks before the season starts. So yeah. it's good they got it in. I mean, there's nothing going on at the end of August. It was pretty good timing on their part for what are we at the June July about two and a half months away now. Um. Maybe McGregor, I mean, this is a boxing fight. It's not an MMA fight. So maybe, you know, McGregor pulls a stunt and fucking body slams him. Who the hell knows? Um, like, if you were McGregor, is that not what you would do? I mean... Do, do a stunt like this, and you know you're losing the fight, and maybe if you're in there for, for a minute or two and you can last a minute or two, and know you're not going to win, just do something illegal and pull Mike Tyson, body slam him, and do something crazy and yes. get everybody talking. Yes, do it. Looking yes. at this uh, Saturday night preseason slate, Arizona at Atlanta, do either of those, does the fight, out? will more people watch the fight in either of these two markets than they will the game? You could give me any combination of preseason football. Okay. It doesn't matter. Okay. It's preseason. Football. I'm, yeah, just, I'm just saying, will fans in those markets, will they rather, would they watch the fight or will they I watch don't. their football team? Just, it, it's intriguing to me. Uh, I, mean, I had to pick between the two, I'd watch the fight. Because I don't, I mean, even if it is the third preseason game, it doesn't count, it doesn't matter. Right. I'll watch the fight. Um, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a spectacle. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And if there's an upset, um, you know, McGregor has made himself into a star. Yes, he has. And if he can pull this off, if he can do the impossible, then you've got a, I don't want to say like a Tiger Woods level guy, mm-hmm. but this, this would elevate him from number one guy in MMA to to a, a top guy, if you want to put LeBron and Brady in the top. It would put him maybe a, a notch below that as a real, real big deal. So there's a lot on the line for him. A lot, okay. low, low risk, high reward. I would say. Very good. Um, yeah, that would that would be something. Either way, don't pay for the fight. I'm not going to pay for the fight. I'm not going to watch it. I say that right now. I wonder how much the fight's going to be. What was the uh, the, the, the fight? A hundred dollars? How much was that? Oh, at least. So I don't know how much Probably. this is going to be. This is uh, going to be seventy, eighty, a hundred dollars as well. You get a bunch of people over. They split it twenty ways. It's uh, interesting. Cover charges at all the bars, so don't go to Buffalo Wild Wings at all. Um, like we, we well, maybe we'll... What? Just 
should be exciting. We'll see. Yep. We'll see when we get there. Yes, um, sir. Amazing. Anything else uh, we have to discuss before we say so long? Got the NBA draft a little next week. Got uh, yes. plenty of time for the draft. Got a good 10 days here between the season and the draft. And uh, yep. 30 for 30 for Lakers and Celtics look pretty good. So, uh, one of the longer ones. I like it when they do the longer ones. And got plenty of stuff for them to talk about. And... Um, it was good. Chris Holtman, by the way, named head coach of Ohio State, the fired Thad Mata. Uh, so Butler then went after the Milwaukee head coach. Uh, Tom Green still doesn't have a job. I wonder uh, if he's just going to sit this year out. Probably be a TV guy. So Milwaukee coach was out because they weren't any good. They reached the final of the conference tournament. So interesting decision there for Butler. Uh, interesting. I would agree. Why could why why Bob couldn't Stoops. why couldn't uh, why couldn't Cream get there? Oh yeah, and Bob Stoops is. I mean, yeah. Look at all the things we have to dis- discuss. And Bob Stoops stepping down yeah. or resigning at Oklahoma is just making the uh, the the D block here. Like fifty six or something. So he's young. I think he'll come back somewhere in a couple of years. We'll have to see. But uh, also, on our note, uh, something we could talk about at any time. Uh, there's going to be three on three basketball in the Olympics. Yeah, that's different. Not not looking forward to that one. So how, how, how many guys can they have on a team? I don't know. Eight guys, ten guys. Who the hell knows? Um, very odd. I think there was a need for this, but uh, this is what's going to happen. So. Another topic for another. I, day. I mean, we have to bank some topics for the summer because other, otherwise, I mean, we're just going to be talking baseball. Oh, how the fuck are we going to get by with this? How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to get by because we're the sports block here. But we got to bank some topics here because if we just talk baseball, I mean, they may as well just listen to the 2080 baseball podcast okay. than, uh, than this one. And uh, our podcast would be like 20 minutes long. There we go. We, wanted, we usually do an hour 20 on the baseball podcast. This week we had our shorter show. We went an hour 10. So there you go. Very good. Check it out on iTunes, the great Travis Crins and Evan, who I still don't know his last name, but uh, Hender Hendershot 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 Evan Hendershot. I believe you're aware of this, but uh, he he did. There was a projection that the Twins were winning 80 games this year, and he didn't. Uh, he said that's ridiculous. And he said he would shave his head if the Twins won like 80 games or more. And, uh, Twins are probably going to do that this year, so. <laughs> I, have to I want to see the bald head. That's what I want to see. So, to see the before and after. Um, twins are playing. Twins are playing good enough. So. Yes, they are. Very good, my friend. Uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins joining us here, at Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate the time and perspective as always. Again, Warriors win the NBA championship. The Pittsburgh Penguins win the Stanley Cup final. The U.S. opens this week. We got the Connor McGregor and May, uh, Floyd Mayweather fight. So, whole lot going on here. Even though we're, we're done. So, let's just... Uh, I mean, summer eventually will slow down. But right now, nothing short on news here in the sports world. Because sports never sleeps. 24-7, 365. And 366 on leap years. Coming up next, though, Marcus Traxler 
kind enough to, uh, will be kind enough to join us to talk Stanley Cup final, get his thoughts on Pittsburgh's win over Nashville. Uh, sad that my Predators lost, but uh, we'll discuss that. And he's heading to Aaron Hill's side of the U.S. Open. We'll see who he likes. Coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast, which you can find now on iTunes. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, pleased to be joined by our good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, uh, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, Mr. Stack, and how are you? Good, good. I know you'll be uh, heading out to Aaron Hills here. You'll be watching the U.S. Open, so that's very exciting. We'll get to that here uh, just with some thoughts on that here momentarily. But uh, unfortunately, we aren't going to see a uh, Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final. The Penguins took down the Predators, and it is one thing that I said I didn't expect was the Penguins to win on the road again. But uh, history has repeated itself because the Penguins have never clinched a Stanley Stanley Cup uh, final championship at home. It's always been on the road, and they did so again in Game 6 against the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I'd say that, that little uh, bit of history has worked out for them. Uh, you know, I think you'll take, I think that was their fifth title, and, and you'll take that uh, if, you know, if you got to win them uh, away from home. Um, and, and now the second time that they've gone back-to-back. Uh, they did, did it in 91-92, and now they've done it uh, 16-17. So pretty impressive. Uh, for for uh, the Penguins, certainly deserving champion, no doubt. Yep, uh, they are the first team since the Red Wings in 97-98, and I believe the first team in the salary cap era to repeat as champions. Game four, or excuse me, game five was an absolute disaster for the Predators right from the get-go. It was really boring, and I mean, the Penguins win, what, 6 nothing. It, you, you had to figure that Nashville would play better in Game 5 playing on home ice because uh, it looked like the home team was, you know, obviously had won the first five games of the series. And uh, to me, and I, I think to a lot of other people out there, I think the Predators definitely got jobbed and hosed in the second period there of Game 6 when the referee lost sight of the puck, but Colton Sissons had you know, kept playing and everyone kept playing and poked it through for a goal. I, I mean, the rules seem like they state that that should have been reviewable and clearly the puck went over the line. Uh, do you think the Predators got jobbed? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, they, they missed out on a, on a go-ahead goal there. Uh, you know, it's hard to say exactly how things would have unfolded from there, but um, they, you know, that seemed to be a pretty deserved uh, chance that they had there and, and they didn't... Uh, you know, they didn't really even bat an eye and, and uh, spend any time looking at that, which is amazing. So um, considering it's game six, and they review a lot of stuff that sometimes uh, makes you shake your head. So um, I think Nashville is kicking themselves a little bit. I, I would say, you know, in retrospect on this series, you mentioned game five, how poorly they play. I think that's maybe the game uh, they, they'd certainly like to have back as well because – Considering the momentum they sort of gained in game three and four at home, at, I think they definitely want to see that roll over uh, much better into game five, and they, just, they didn't uh, play well at all. No, they, they certainly didn't. Uh, but it didn't seem like they argued it a whole heck of a lot. Did you, at least to me, did you expect them to maybe fight that uh, play a little bit more? I mean, I know Peter Laviolette called the officials over and kind of threw his arms like whatever, but uh, I, I didn't see them quite kind of fight or, um, I guess, argue the call as much as I thought they would. Yeah, it's hard to say, you know, they – of all the sports, probably the, the NHL's probably got it uh, figured out uh, the most as far as having uh, 
you know, replay review and replays available for uh, these coaches to look at. You know, they've got to monitor uh, essentially inside the bench. So, um, you know, you would think that they would have, you know, maybe taken a look there, but um, it is a little puzzling. Uh, maybe they didn't fully realize what happened in that case either. Right. Uh, and Colton Sissons, it would not be the first time that he was denied of a goal because he had a breakaway later in the period and uh, Matt Murray stoned him. So, I mean, and the Predators, that wasn't the only reason why they lost game six. Uh, Matt Murray played great and the Predators had four power play chances, including a five on three in the third period that they could not capitalize on. And, I mean,. If you're if you even want a chance to beat a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, you have to cash in on those opportunities. No doubt, yeah, no doubt. I mean, they, they, that's a, a definite chance they got away, especially at home, five on three. That felt like a situation that they they would at least have a chance to, to cash in. They didn't really come that close. Uh, it, it didn't appear. So, um, I think the other part of it is that they. Uh, you know, I, I felt like this was going to be a zero-zero game going into to uh, overtime. Overtime, and, yeah. And it just, you know, they, you know, they just weren't generating enough chances in my book to really, you know, warrant, uh, you know, any sort of confidence that they were going to turn the game around. It just felt like Pittsburgh was going to get that goal. Yep. And uh, the crazy carom off of the the net, and Patrick Hornquist puts it in with a minute thirty-five to go. I mean. Yeah, like you said, you you felt like Pittsburgh, when would they score that goal? Because the Predators certainly weren't cashing in on their chances. Uh, but for Hornquist to score that goal, and he was a former member of the Predators because they had drafted him. Uh, you know, now Sidney Crosby wins his uh, third Stanley Cup. I mean, this puts the Penguins into some elite company, and I think we can start to talk about the dynasty that they are about to build. By the way, again, the Penguins won 2 nothing, won the series 4-2. to two. But they've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. They are the favorites headed into next year. And given all the injuries that they had, I think we're talking about another uh, hockey dynasty in the making here. Yeah, this one's this one's fairly amazing. Uh, you mentioned you know the salary cap era earlier. I mean, it's hard to hang on to great talent. Uh, you really have to draft well. We've seen Chicago, you know, do that as well. But you know, even they're running into you know trouble keeping guys and you know, maybe discussing a trade here, you know, this summer. So, uh, what? What Pittsburgh's been able to do is, is quite incredible. They're obviously the favorites going into next year, and uh, you know it's going to be tough for them to be knocked off. Because you look at some of the other teams in the East, you get the idea that they're going to take a step back. It's hard to really sit for uh, doing that. I am a ratings guy, and I was pleased to see that the ratings for this series were as good as they were. Uh, certainly, being at Nashville and Pittsburgh helped versus you know even having Ottawa or on the flip side Anaheim. But uh, I don't believe that this is just a one and done thing with the Nashville Predators. They got a young team, and if they make it back, got to think the people are going to continue to watch there because they're a fun team to watch. And I believe uh, the NHL has really latched on to a market here that is exploding here as of late, and I think can carry that uh, next year and years to come. Yeah, I think there's definitely uh, something that's been built there. I think it's exciting for the NHL to sort of see that realized in a place that you know not many people maybe would have would have pegged as a as a hockey hotbed. Um, the only thing I would say is, that, I mean, they're in a really tough uh, conference. They're going to have a hard yep. time uh, getting back to where they got to this year. So, not to say that it's going to be a one one shot deal, but you just never know for sure that 
uh, you're going to have another crack considering all the teams that are, that are sort of in that West that are capable of getting there on a year-in, year-out basis. Yep. I initially, right after the, the Stanley Cup final ended in, in the, my blog, I put that I think they, along with Minnesota, Chicago, and Edmonton, would be the favorites in the West next year. Do you think that is a stretch? Um, I mean, I, I think you certainly would put Edmonton and, and Chicago in there. Um, you know, I would probably say Minnesota would be one team uh, you'd have a hard time necessarily knowing for sure. Just right. I think they had in this offseason a lot of uncertainty. So I agree with you on the three, and, and uh, you know, Minnesota's got to find, they got to figure, figure stuff out. We've talked about that, and uh, maybe get back to me in September on, on how I feel about it. Anything else regarding the Stanley Cup final at all that you would like to discuss? You know, um, I think it, I think it just a lot needs to be said about Sidney Crosby. I mean, yep. it's just, it, I think we take for granted just how good he is and how he, he makes it look. Um, he certainly uh, reestablished himself as the best player in the game in this series or in this postseason. I'm not sure if maybe he deserved the. Uh, Different argument, but um, he was—he's been through his whole playoffs, and uh, you know we maybe saw a little bit more feistiness and two out of him. That's probably good too. And uh, you know, just—I think you take it for granted. I think you—you know—he's just so smooth out there. But that's really what what struck me. Yeah, and you bring up a, a couple of things, a couple of good points here that I want to go in on. Yeah, we saw a little more feistiness from him. He, you know, he bashed. Maybe bash is a little bit strong of a word, but he certainly... He did. Uh, I mean, he, yeah. he, he shoved P.K. Subban's head into the ice multiple times there in Game 5. I don't know how he didn't get a, a larger penalty in the game, you know, maybe even a five-minute game, you know, a ten-minute game misconduct or a five-minute major. Uh, and the, the NHL really didn't even say a word about it. Now, conspiracy theorists out there, uh, such as myself from time to time, would say that had the NHL suspended Sidney Crosby for Game 6, they would guarantee themselves a game seven essentially and that would be great for the sport you know great for ratings and and all that sort of jazz but how did he escape nothing I mean people were talking about it and the NHL didn't do a damn thing about it yeah your guess is as good as mine um, you know when it comes to conspiracy theories in the NHL I mean they go hand in hand uh, they're, you know they're just one one and two right next to each other because they I mean, do this stuff all the time and I mean you know if we we don't talk extensively about the NHL uh, during the regular season, but stuff all throughout the regular season. There's just you know, all these different standards on how they're punishing guys for you know legal hits in the, you know on the ice, for, you know blindside hits, and it's just, you shake your head because you're like, well, who is handing out these penalties? Um, and you know it is one or two people, Department of Player Safety, uh, and they're just they're not consistent. And then when the star player, I mean, star players definitely get star treatment. There's no question about it. That's Certainly, the case in the NHL, and um, you know they, they never admit it, but it just feels like it's an open secret at this point. So there was no chance that I'd be in. If he would have gone the other way, I'd see the man wouldn't be that either. It's just uh, you know, if you're a fourth line winger, uh, you're you're probably better in that scenario. But, uh, 87 with the Yeah, and it's not even like he was bashing some, you know, like a, like a James Neal or. Yeah, so uh, I mean, it was right. it's the star player for the for the Nashville Predators, PK Subban, who I mean has obviously uh, taken the city by storm there when he initially got traded in. I think he's someone you know a face of the NHL that the NHL certainly needs to market, but I mean star on star there. 
if you want to protect Sidney Crosby, that's fine. But you got to do the same to PK Subban. I'm just surprised that I mean everyone else was talking about it. the NHL didn't do, say a damn word. Yeah, I think if you if you're like you and I or anybody who watched that from the start, uh, you're not surprised that they didn't hand out any punishment. I think if if you just watch teams, I mean, you're like that team, right? Well, you know. The NHL does a lot of things that don't necessarily add up, and the punishment is certainly one of those for me. The other thing regarding Crosby is that he has 56 multi-point playoff games, and I believe that is like fourth most all-time. And the the other names on that list, like the top six or seven, they played for the 80 Edmonton Oilers. That is one of the greatest NHL dynasties and maybe one of the greatest dynasties in all of sports if we really want to uh, be serious about it here. So for Sidney Crosby to crack that list that you know that had the, the Ryan Messiers, the Paul Coffeys, the, the Wayne Gretzkys, that says a lot about him as a player overall. Well, I mean, a 6-5, game was pretty common in the 80s. Yep. I that now, so... Um, I think that as well. I mean, you pretty much said that he's a once in a generation player, and he's been. Like, I just I, these playoffs to me, I think, just kind of sunk at home, especially finals. How well he played, and uh, certainly, certainly the best player of our generation. Yep, he's got Olympic gold. He won the world, you know, the the World Cup of hockey yeah, here. Somebody, somebody pointed out the accomplishments from this year. He was the you know, World Cup of hockey MVP, and they they're like, you know, that's probably tenth on his list this year, just because right. of all the things he's accomplished. I mean, and that was in September, so we've basically already tuned it out. But you know, he was really good from the start. Should he have won Conn Smythe? Because I think uh, uh, Jake Gensel had a strong argument and pri- perhaps probably should have won it. I mean, rookie setting you know records with goals and everything. He he had the timely goals too. I know Sidney Crosby does a lot, and it's not always in the stat sheet that it shows. But uh, I I certainly think that uh, Gensel made a strong argument and probably should have won it. Yeah, I mean, he's got it, probably the better story just because he's a rookie and, and he was brilliant. But I mean, if you look, and it's a whole playoff award, but if you look at the last three games, he, he wasn't really around much uh, in the scoring column. True. I, I think a word needs to be said about it. Again, Malkin, he was in that third series against Ottawa and, uh, you know, just one of the, you know, consistently strong scorers on that team as well. So I don't think they really could have gone wrong with any of those people. I wasn't as anti. Uh, Crosby as some people were or anti-Gensel either way I I guess I didn't care as much but you can make arguments uh, whichever way you'd like the NHL will be having their draft here uh, later this summer. There's also the expansion draft, which takes place on June 21st. And uh, so that's regarding the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who will be the 31st NHL team. So they're doing this whole expansion draft thing. And there are a number of different rules. I know you and I are both kind of intrigued by how the Minnesota Wild are going to play this out. Uh, first off, just some of the rules uh, that team can protect 11 players. Seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, or nine players, eight total skaters, and one goalie. Uh, players with no movement clauses must be protected unless the player agrees to waive their no movement clause. Uh, teams must expose at least two forwards and one defenseman who are under contract for the upcoming 2017-18 uh, season and played 40 games or uh, in 2016-17 or 70 games total 
over the last couple of years. Teams must expose one goalie under contract and um, so on and so forth here. Uh, I know that Marc-Andre Fleury, I believe, kind of waived that yeah, clause. So, he, so yeah. he is in this. I think that is a definite uh, a plus if Las Vegas can get him. But as it comes to the wild here, as I just mentioned, 11 skaters, seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or nine t- nine total uh, players, eight total skaters and one goalie here. I mean, the Wild are stacked, but you and you know you're going to lose someone here. So as we look at this here, what do you think the Wild's best option is to go forth here in terms of how they protect their stars? It's it's hard for me to, to probably break it down, uh, you know, exactly, but, you know, it is interesting that, that they sort of approach this in a way that you know, let's maybe assess all our options. I think, you know, they'll probably take the player option. I, I would guess they'll take the chance to protect a couple more guys, even if there's a few more restrictions. Um, it's interesting that, you know, there's been this talk about, you know, maybe making a trade with Boston or there's big trade talks and Jonas Brodini is sort of in the center of that. You know, how substantial are those? Uh, it's hard, hard exactly to say, but I, I think it is, you know, inter- I think they're going to be movers. I, you know, I think they're, they're going to be in the, in the talks quite a bit here in the next couple weeks, and I think that's exciting, maybe nerve wracking if you're a wild fan. And I think, you know, we've sort of discussed some of the guys they need to keep. I think, you know, there's going to be a couple surprises on the list. Um, and I think the wild are maybe in a position where, you know, maybe those are the guys you, consider giving up because they have so much talent in the, in the system and you know right on the fringe of being you know basically everyday players I'm looking at the roster here I mean, on and we'll just start on defense. You mentioned Jonas Brodin kind of being dangled out there in trade bait. Uh, I mean, I'd expose Matt Dumba without question. I love his game offensively, but he is a liability at times. He makes a lot of boneheaded decisions that cost the team uh, either goals or just, uh, I mean, Dubnik maybe has to make a big save here or there. So I would definitely expose Dumba. And if I'm looking at protecting three defensemen, if we go the 7-3-1 route, uh, obviously Suter because he's got a no-trade clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Scandella and Spurgeon, I think it's no-brainers at that point. L- expose. I think they would be able to still keep Riley because I don't believe he played – uh, all those games last year, but Nate Prosser, the Christian Follin, uh, yeah. Matt Dumbin, Jonas Brodine, they don't want to lose Brodine, I don't think, but he would be, uh, out of those four, he'd be the, the the one that they wouldn't want to lose, but they could afford to lose out of all of them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, this thought seemed to be where they're kind of stacked, but at the same time, you know, you're kind of saying, well, could maybe see a scenario where we could afford to give up. I think it's just, it's really intriguing. I I think we're being the guy you need to keep. And I think it's fine if you want to sort of dangle on his bait, but I think at the end of the day, he's got to be part of the future. And I think, you know, they're just going to, you know, whether he wants it or not, they're kind of going to just put more on his plate uh, sort of as they go. And uh, I think that's a good way of looking at it. You know, they do have the young guys that you mentioned that I think make it difficult with with uh, you know Fulwin and Skindella and 
and uh, Prosser. So it's just a really interesting scenario, I think, that they find themselves in. And Wild fans know about the, you know, who follow the team and understand that they have some great young players, you know, the Erickson X, I mean, of the world, and they have great players in the world juniors. I think three of the top five or six players in the world juniors our draft uh, our, have Minnesota yeah. has the rights to them, so I mean they're loaded. So it, it, even if you lose a guy, there should be someone that will be able to step up. But at the same time, you don't want to lose these great guys. Would you go the seven three one route, or would you go the eight total skaters and one goalie? I have to think they would go the eleven player route. I think they would too. They just have so many guys they have to protect. But at the same time, you know, we could talk about the defenseman. Well, now you're stuck with three guys. So. Um, Maybe we don't know anything. Maybe they, right. they will protect nine and, and let a few more forwards uh, loose. And, uh, you know, we, we've sort of talked about the expansion draft. I mean, they, Vegas can really only take one guy, maybe two, right, in, from the wild. So, yeah, I think um, I think one top. I don't know how many total guys they can draft, but it's not. I, I think some teams maybe won't have any taken. Right. I, I'm not, you know, it's not like they can just take six wild guys. You know, I think there's a limit on, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many it is, but I think it is only a couple. So, um, you know, in some ways, the wild will sort of be protected if they do put out a couple guys because not all of them, you know, will get swooped up, I believe. Yep. I, I was just looking I, you here. Know, I, think, okay. I think the most interesting part of this whole thing, to be honest, from a transaction standpoint, is that the other teams will find out who's on this list. We'll all find out 48 hours before the, the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. I think that's you know really interesting. We'll all know who's out there and uh, who gets dangled, and I think that'll be really really intriguing. The the Golden Knights must take 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goaltenders. Other four players can be any position. So by doing the math, that is 30. So uh, roughly, I guess. Each team could or perhaps should lose one player in this. If we're looking at the Minnesota Wild forwards here, obviously I think you got to protect Charlie Coyle and Mikhail Granlund. In, uh, Koivu's going to be protected, Parise, Nino Niederreiter, and I, I, would, I have to think Zucker's going to get protected too with the way he played and emerged this year. Though Zucker is a... Yeah, this guy. If that makes any difference, it does. Um, I mean, Stalin and uh, I, I guess I, I don't know even know if I mentioned Halla, but Halla's I think certainly a guy that you have to protect as well. Hansel and Stahl, I believe, are free agents. I know the Wild probably want to sign them, so I don't know what goes into how they can protect them or not, or if they would still be exposed. I know they've. It's been floated out there that they should at least approach Jason Pominville and have him waive his no waive his no trade clause because it would seem highly unlikely that Vegas would want to take Pominville, uh, but maybe they will, and that's just something that the Wild are willing to risk. So, I mean, they have a lot of forwards and centers here that uh, that they want to protect, but I got to think Coyle, Granlund, Halla, Koivu. Niederreiter, Prize, and then uh, Zucker would be the seven if you could do that. And then you just hope that uh, Eric Stahl and and uh, um, Hansel are able to survive. Yeah, and I think honestly, if, if uh, I'll go, if you just kind of had to live with that. Um, you know, they are veterans. They'd like to have Stahl back. I think the reviews may be mixed. Handle, you know, it ended up being a pretty big uh, 
move a rental, you know, you give up a lot, you know, with a big so you, you probably do want to keep them, but I'm pretty indifferent about them at this point. So if uh, the change they end up making um, where they dangle those two guys, yeah, I, I think I can live with that. Yep. Uh, it's it's going to be really fascinating to see what they do and who they lose. Um, but uh, but hopefully the Wild, I would like I say, go the seven three one route. And then if you're going to protect a goalie, obviously it's got to be Dubnik, right? I mean, I, I would think they're going to trade Kemper at some point here if if uh, Vegas wouldn't take him. I don't think you look at Darcy Kemper as the future, you know, right. this team. So Dubnik, he is now he's probably the future for the next couple of years. They've sort of invested in him, so I think he's the guy they they keep going to be interesting we'll find out next uh, or on june 21st the expansion draft here see what vegas does see what the wild do see what other teams do because yeah as you mentioned every team's going to see what uh, what players are being dangled out or who's being protected so it's going to be very interesting see how all this all plays out you are going though to the u.s open uh it is in aaron hills in wisconsin here uh who are you liking as the favorite uh what do you expect to see i know that this is the longest u.s open ever in terms of the the yardage set over 7700 yards absolutely unbelievable here i mean does that favor the long drive guys like dustin johnson or do you want someone who's maybe a little more accurate uh does jordan spieth get back into the business here i believe phil mickelson is still not uh going to play in this one he hasn't he hasn't pulled out yet yeah oh he hasn't okay well that that's good i get that graduation uh, bumped up here come on california yeah well it's interesting because there is you know uh basically rain in the forecast for all four days so if somehow Thursday's play gets backed up um, and he gets a he kind of said he needed a four hour delay well if he gets a four hour delay maybe he's able to take it to Wisconsin in time and still make that tea time so it'll be interesting to sort of watch that on Thursday um, yeah, as far as who I like and given that he is on the property he's on the property on Tuesday uh, I like Dustin Johnson um, he was on baby watch uh, this week and uh, child He's, he's in Wisconsin, uh, uh, defending champ. I think, of course, favor him, um, you know, given it a, a long hitting course. I, you know, what stood out to me is that, you know, it was fairly well. Uh, this should be uh, a driver, you know, that will find some success on the wind. Will be interesting because there's only like five trees on the whole properties. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be interesting, and I, obviously the putting is going to be. So anybody who's got the hot fit will, will have. And I also worry this weekend uh, on the mend. He said he likes the course, so that uh, puts a little bit of confidence from me in him. And it does play a link style type. It's a link style type course here at the U.S. Open, um, here at Aaron Hills, right? I mean, so that could favor a European such as McElroy. Uh, I know they did something with the fescue. I believe they, you know, they cut it down a little bit because it was just so tall. Uh, and the U.S. Open is always known for their rough. But um, it, how do you think this is going to differ from other you know, previous U.S. Opens here that we've seen? Well, it's interesting. There's been a lot of talk this week about you know comparing this to previous U.S. Opens. I mean, the major difference is that they played par seventies or or uh, par. And this, this is par, is par seventy-two. Yep. For the first time in I think twenty some years, so that's a, a fairly you know large part of it. Like you said, 
playing significantly longer and 7,700 yards. But, um, you know, you mentioned the, the fescue. Uh, they mowed some of it because basically they've gotten an inch and they already basically said, you know, there, there could be situations where it would be unplayable lives if you it didn't didn't do something with this. So they mowed down in some areas, but I mean, if you're getting offline, I think Rory had a great point, uh, you know, on Tuesday that you know if you're if you can't find the fairway here uh, and you're worried about the fescue, it's 50, 60 yards wide or yards wide. Uh, pack it up and go home. I mean, this should be a, a place where you're worried about hitting fairways and and hitting greens and regular. And the guys who can do that give themselves a prayer of making some putts. Um, I think that gives them a great chance. You know, I think public perception has been, you know, after the Chambers Bay thing in 2015, that, that wasn't great. So I think uh, you'll certainly have the one that's manageable. I think you'll see some great thinking. Well, enjoy your time out there. Uh, should be a, a blast here. Is this your first U.S. Open? This is my first, yeah. It's uh one of those, it's my favorite golf tournament every year, uh, more than the Masters, because of the different course and it's you know, a real grind. So I'm excited to see it in person, and uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. I'm uh, looking forward to, uh, to the four days. Well, enjoy it out there. I uh, always appreciate the time here during the NHL playoffs. I love talking with you about this stuff. And uh, maybe we'll try and get you on next week with some uh, U.S. Open reaction. And just uh, your experience in general will be great. And by that time, we'll know what the, the Wild do. So enjoy it out there. And uh, hopefully we can uh, catch up sometime next week. Thanks, Marcus. All right. Thank you. Uh, Marcus Traxler joining us here, Sports Block Podcast here. Uh, hope he has a great time there at Aaron Hills. Uh, great hockey talk, great hockey mind. Uh, certainly enjoy talking with him here. Uh, so yeah, we are getting now into the the part of the summer here where I, I mean we just, I assume we'll be doing these podcasts every week here. Maybe uh, maybe one doesn't happen from time to time, but. That's our goal, is to do one a week. And, I mean, the podcast will be shorter. Probably, you know, maybe an hour, maybe just a little more. Not a whole lot in there. Here, the blogs will be fewer and far between. But uh certainly hope you enjoyed, um, of course, all all of our talk regarding the, you know, the NBA playoffs, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's always great fun uh, to talk about it. Congratulations to the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Golden State Warriors on winning their championships, respectively. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. And we will be uh, talking more about, you know, the the baseball. We'll talk U.S. Open next week. We'll we'll try and get Marcus on, maybe find out what happened there in that expansion draft. So plenty to discuss. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to call that a wrap. So thank you to Travis and Marcus for joining me. And for you, the listening audience, as always, you can find this podcast available on iTunes. Uh, just search uh, Sports Block Podcast there on iTunes. also have a link to it on Twitter, at ND Stacken. Otherwise, on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. So uh, thank you again to, listen, to you for listening. And we hope you join us again next week. Congratulations, Kevin Durant, the Golden State Warriors, Sidney Crosby, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. You are a Stanley Cup, or you are NBA Finals and Stanley Cup champions, respectively. Bravo to you all here 
from the Sports Block Podcast. By the way, U.S. Open pick. I'll say Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, all in the top five. Should be fun. All right. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you next week here, Sports Block Podcast.